Welcome to the Hope Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. You can also listen to episodes on our church YouTube channel. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Pastor Margaret Michael. Thanks for tuning in today, and today we're joined by Ethan King. Ethan, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's good to have you with us. Um, Ethan is on staff here at the Church of the Nazarene as the coordinator for outreach and communications. Ethan, it's great to have you with us today. And we're just going to start out with something really, a simple question. Um, Most people have pretty strong feelings about this question, though. So um, what kind of ice cream do you like? What's your favorite? So I think that my favorite kind of ice cream uh, is custard, frozen custard. Um, And there was a shop in Atlanta when we lived down there that they would do a honeycomb um, custard with little pieces of actual honeycomb in it. It was really, really good. So I would say that's probably my favorite kind of ice cream. I'm guessing you haven't found it here. No, it's, uh, I daily think about it. Um, It's probably one of those happy places that I have that maybe one day I'll make it back. But um, I think you should go to like Smiley's or Klein's or somewhere and suggest a new flavor. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, I would love to get in there and just let them know, hey, you're missing out on this market share. I could be the market share for them. <laughs> right, so, right. I think yeah. it's it'd be worth a phone call at least or Absolutely. stopping by. Okay, well, I love anything that has a little bit of a crunch in it. Mm. You know, I like something more than just the ice cream. So um, I would probably like that because I love honeycomb. How about you, Grayson? Do you like honey ice cream? I don't know if I'd like honeycomb. I like custard, but... It's a subtle flavor, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. until you bite into that like chewy, mm-hmm. almost like brittle kind of it's just like biting sugar, basically. Yeah. Natural sugar, but, you know, uh, yeah. it's delicious. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, Ethan, if you would just like to start out telling us about where you're from and about how you grew up. Sure. I was born in the Valley. I grew up in Harrisonburg. I have four siblings, but all of my siblings and I were homeschooled. I'm very close with all of them still. Talk to them pretty much daily. My parents are from uh, the Richmond area originally, but they've lived here my whole life. Family's a really important part of my life. I grew up... Uh, in a pretty stable home, a Christian home. Always attended church, always was involved. My parents were involved uh, because I was homeschooled. My education was pretty faith-focused as well, so that was always an important part of learning for me was grounding everything in kind of the Bible or grounding it in faith and, and kind of the application of whatever concept to my walk with Christ. So that's kind of uh, where I started from. I met my wife in the area. We've been together for 11 years at this point. Yeah, we've been together for a long time, and her family's from the area, so we still have a lot of good relationships. That's good. So when did, you know, we can go to church and we hear the message. We're there not because maybe we wanted to go, but because someone wanted us there. And we get a foundation of faith like that. Like that's where our foundation's built. We don't even realize what's happening, which is such a blessing to have parents that uh, make sure that we have that faith foundation. When was the first time that you maybe, do you remember when Jesus became more than just someone you were hearing about on Sunday? Sure. Yeah, I remember I accepted Christ probably when I was six or seven. I remember coming down well after bedtime, talking to my parents, saying like, I know I've heard about this a lot, but I want to I want to know for certain that I'm saved and, and have a relationship. But I think that that moment of kind of ownership didn't really come until I was a bit older, uh, late middle school, early high school, becoming really involved at church in youth group and working at um, some camps in the area. 
being involved in the ministry and in kind of a, this is for me kind of way, not necessarily because it's expected of me, but this is something that um, I find to be fulfilling or special for myself. That kind of moment probably came, I think that the moment it became the most real to me was probably the first Renew Camp, Renew Camp happening in the area um, right before I started high school. I think that was 2012, maybe a while ago, a lot longer ago than I want to admit, but it was a really amazing week of seeing people my age really invested in their community, invested in their faith and kind of motivated to show light to the people around them, irregardless of denomination, irregardless of worship style, everybody kind of sharing that vision of, you know, Christ has love for everybody. Um, And while that may walk out in different ways, he's never going to be offended by you getting down and working with your hands or serving in any way you can. So So you met a few people, we'll just mention it because we'll come back to it later, but you met a few people that you're on staff with now during Renew Camp. So I know that Olivia and Pastor Adrian were involved in those years. Yes. Yes, I met both of them. I think those relationships looked differently at the time. Uh, <laughs> I think that I did. I had a lot of maturing growth still needed, which came with time. I'm not saying I'm a finished product, but I think I'm in a better spot than <laughs> maybe when we met. Um, but yeah, I had uh, Pastor Olivia was one of my leaders, I think my senior year. And that was a really good experience and, and birthed a, a good friendship there. Yeah. And then Pastor Adrian, you know, was really one of the, I think, three individuals that kind of headed up and, and made Renew Camp what it was. Um, I think that that's a really strong legacy. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's still, I think that COVID kind of affected maybe the way that Renew Camp looks. But um, as we kind of come to a, a different approach post-pandemic, yeah. I think that there's still a lot of energy around making Renew Camp um, something that is a, a real resource for the community. And it's yeah. about the body of Christ coming outside the walls of churches and engaging together um, to reach the lost and to um, just be the hands and feet of Jesus, whether it's mulching um, around a house or painting, cleaning a classroom, whatever it is that they're doing that week. And the thing I love about Renew Camp, too, is just you go out and you work hard all day, but you come in and you hear the message of the gospel. Yeah, you do some really fun things together, but, man, the messages. Um, and the worship is something that, as I've been involved with some over the years, not as much in recent years, but that was always something to come back mm-hmm. and just to see the full picture of that week um, and see the kids serve and worship is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And like you said, multiple churches from multiple denominations coming together for one common purpose, putting differences aside, um, and also not just serving alongside each other, but like Pastor Margaret said, coming together at night and worshiping together. It's just cool that um, the youth in our community are setting the example, so to speak, for the rest of the community, for the church. Right. You know, I, I think that uh, children sometimes lack some of the uh, hang-ups that adults deal with, especially around their theology. Yes. I remember vividly the first, there was, it was an early, probably the third or fourth Renew Camp. We did a, a night where the where Blessed Sacrament kind of motivated the worship, and, and we had a, um, we'll call it a soft mass service where, you know, we really kind of worshiped in the way that they did, sang some hymns, and um, they were able to kind of bring some of their liturgy into the process. And uh, I remember just being fascinated. fascinated mm-hmm. by I maintain a healthy fascination with the Catholic faith, but being able to experience different approaches to faith, different approaches to Christianity, um, the church my wife and I attend now, Divine Unity, I remember, I think I met Pastor Chris the first or second year, he was the speaker at Renew Camp. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't know how much interaction I had with him after that fact, but it always stuck with me. You know, this is a, this is a guy who's passionate about his faith and, mm-hmm. and 
his approach to preaching is is just magnetic, um, and that was kind of one of the reasons that we mm-hmm. visited uh, Divine Unity, and it stuck. So. Yeah, that's good. It's amazing. I remember going when they were meeting in Harrisburg High School. It's called mm-hmm. Do Rag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a few years yeah. back, when um, it was just a college ministry, it was a I believe it's ministry, time, right? But, um, like we would go on Friday nights, and our kids wanted to go because mm-hmm. it appealed to them. And so I would find myself in the room and really enjoyed those times. So you graduated homeschool, yes. high school, and went off to college. Right. How was that going from being homeschooled to being on a campus? Sure. I always got the comment when I was at school that people couldn't tell that I was homeschooled, which I never really believed because I think it's pretty obvious. But um, <laughs> the academic side of things was not challenging. For me, the approach to homeschooling my parents took really by junior and senior year, the the expectation is that you're kind of self-motivating, self-educating as much as possible, um, which is kind of the experience you get in college. So that I was very well prepared for. I was not prepared for having to spend time with people that I didn't like uh, on a regular (laughs) basis. As a homeschooler, really, you had to make effort to have that kind of social interaction with people. And so nobody makes an effort to spend time with people that they don't necessarily enjoy spending time with. When you're in a college setting or school setting, you're going to be in classes with people that you don't necessarily enjoy being around. So that was a initial challenge for me. Eventually, I kind of figured out how to interact with people that maybe got on my nerves a little bit. But it wasn't as challenging to my faith as I was expecting. Um, maybe that was because my parents and my church family did a really good job of kind of grounding me mm-hmm. in my faith. But because of that past experience of kind of grounding all the things I was learning in my faith, I started taking religion classes. I ended up double majoring in religion and something else. But those religion classes were the first time that I kind of had an experience learning about the Bible or faith, maybe from someone that doesn't have an identical mm-hmm. uh, approach to myself. And that was difficult at first. It's challenging to hear that people don't necessarily agree with something that you think is kind of obvious, mm-hmm. um, like a- approaches to reading the Bible. You know, I grew up in a very kind of literal approach faith community and hearing professors kind of introduce like, hey, maybe the authorship of this book is in dispute mm-hmm. or something like that was initially very challenging for my faith. And I kind of had to get to a point where my faith needed to evolve to build in the fact that, you know, the Bible is a- an essential important part of the Christian faith, but the Christian faith can exist mm-hmm. irrespective of, of the Bible. God could find a way to talk to us uh, outside of just that book. God oftentimes does find ways to talk to us outside of the book. Kind of had book. to before it was written. Right, right. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so I think that I needed to grow in that way of, you know, yes, the Bible is important. Yes, I, I you know, I want to be grounded in it and read it and whatnot. But if discussions or debates about certain passages or, or certain approaches around the Bible, if that's going to you know, shake me to my core, how strong really is my faith? And right. do I have faith in a God or do I have faith in a book? And I think that we see faiths around the world that are grounded in faith in a book that right. maybe yeah. struggle at times when they're put to the test. Right. I think that's so important because I remember when Olivia was in college and she had a specific class that really kind of shook the foundation of her faith. And I remember going through those classes you know, when I was ordained, um, preparing for ordination. And I remember walking out of class that day myself going, I thought I knew some things, and now I don't know if I know. Right. You know, like it just it blew my mind. And I remember getting that phone call from her. But I watched her faith become so strong. And what feels like maybe to an outside person looking in of, oh, well, they're just wrecking my child's faith, Mm -hmm. they're actually strengthening the faith. And that is a hard process. But for me, it was important. I know for my daughter, it was important. And I just think 
we ride uh, the coattails of our parents' faith. As you know, we'd like to ride it for a long ways, and I sure. think the the sooner that our foundations are somewhat shaken, and it happens in life. It may not mean going to college, but things happen right. that shake our faith. Mm-hmm. And I think about Peter. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Jesus said to him, "Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, right? Uh, but I'm praying that your faith will sustain you." Right. And I think that to know that. Jesus intercedes for us even in those times when our faith is shaken. And knowing that Peter would come out much stronger on the other side and you coming out of a college experience with a stronger foundation of faith um, makes it worthwhile. Right. Absolutely. And I think when our faith is tested, when we have to figure out why we believe what we believe as opposed to everything that we've grown up knowing and just believing it. I mean, that's faith. It's good to have faith, but it's good to know why we have the faith that we have to be grounded and, you know, testing, you know, it says iron sharpens iron as one person sharpens another. Mm-hmm. So having our faith sharpened and tested, kind of put through, like, you think of it's he's the potter, we're the clay. You know, he molds us and we have to surrender. So uh, what does surrender look like in your life? Yeah, I think um, surrender is a really interesting thing for me. I am a really uh, analytical inquisitive individual. Um, I like to kind of get to the bottom of a position. I like to argue and debate and whatnot. And so being in a classroom setting where I'm learning about faith or the Bible or, or whatever it may be and getting to that point where there's not a tight answer necessarily to my question. You know, I think that the single issue that dominates my life that I will never kind of get to a satisfactory answer on is that the whole problem of evil question, you know, like if God is so powerful, why are bad things happening? Why not just do away with them? And there's tons of arguments out there and none of them are tight enough for me. I don't have an answer out there that I I like uh, enough. And for me, surrendering that has looked like admitting I just don't know and I probably never will and trying to be okay with that or get to a point where I genuinely have faith around that. Because I think a lot of people talk about faith as one of these things of like, oh, I have my faith. And we talk about it as like a relationship or we talk about it as a walk or or whatever. But sometimes faith is just faith. Having, you know, this belief in something deep in your bones or deep in your spirit that you know this is right. You believe that this is right. And you can't necessarily say why. You can't necessarily always put a finger on why that may be. And so for me, surrendering is just kind of saying, I don't know. I trust you on this, but I don't know. And a lot of ways that's been the past you know two years for me since I graduated from seminary you know I never wanted to move back home <laughs> um, I love to travel and see places and there's a lot of things I want to do out in the world and I, I never felt that um, Harrisonburg was big enough to do all those things and I actively actively resisted coming back home and I actively resisted any kind of calling to be in the area you know I went to Atlanta for seminary I went three hours away for school I just wanted to be elsewhere. I wanted to experience different things. And I, and I think it's really good and healthy to, to have those experiences. But God just kept demanding. And it wasn't the most pleasant ways that I was demanded back, my wife and I. But uh, eventually surrendering, I remember it was, it was last September. And we were back up here visiting because my niece was, was being born. And the whole eight-hour drive up from Atlanta, I, we just talked and talked and talked because we had some decisions to make about jobs and things and whatnot not we just wanted to try and make it work down in Atlanta or explore other opportunities elsewhere and I just kept coming back to this I don't I can't do it 
I, I, I cannot come back. I don't want to do it. I, it's just not, there's not enough going on. It's not big enough. I just want to, I want to be able to go out and experience different kinds of communities, experience you know, different kinds of things. And I loved living in the city. I love living in the city. It's, there's always something to do. It's, it's very fun. And you just feel like you're where things are going on. Um, we really liked our, our church community down there. But by the time we got back here and we spent time with family, I remember sitting on my parents' porch and just looking at my wife and saying, as much as I hate it, I, I think we have to move back. <laughs> um, and it's worked out really well for us. And, and, you know, I think that there was a reason, there's lots of reasons that we needed to be back in the area, but being able to serve in ministry, which is also something I actively ran away from. If anybody ever sees me taking on a pastoral role, you know that something has massively changed in my personal life to get me to that point. Um, I'm more than happy to be involved behind the scenes. Pastoral work is not uh, something that I'm passionate about doing, I'll just say. And it's not that I don't want to be serving God or ministering. It's just that I felt that I was called to a different area to do that. Not necessarily the church to do that, but kind of go out into the academy and help the people that had a background like me get through those difficult mm-hmm. you know, classes, yeah. different difficult conversations, and come out on the other side with their faith. Yeah. Maybe not intact in the way that it was before, right. but in some way, because I had lots of friends that sat in those classes with me and their walk is different. Their yeah. walk is distant um, now, and, and it was difficult to uh, you know go to a Methodist school from an evangelical background, and I didn't have professors that thought like I did or worshipped like I did, and they didn't really know how to help me through that. And so it was really uh, relying on God, relying on my relationships that I was able to talk through some of those difficult conversations with. So for me, surrender is a daily activity, <laughs> yeah. and one of admitting the shortcomings in the areas where I, I just am not, I don't know enough. I don't know how to do this enough or, or whatever it may be. And I encourage everyone to explore the limits to which you're willing to surrender to God because life gets pretty good when you start surrendering. Um, it doesn't feel like it at first, right. but it'll get good in the end. So. I think, you know, it's a very simple Christian ease term of walk by faith, not by sight. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we have to walk some pretty long roads to realize how, it's just what it is, right? It's what it says. Mm-hmm. Just walk my faith is not by being able to figure it out. Um, if we could figure it all out, we would be God and we'd make a pretty lousy God, right? right? But just believing and surrender is beautiful. I think about Ephesians 3, just what God has planned for us, things we've never thought or imagined when we'll surrender. And mm-hmm. Pastor Adrian preached um, not too long ago on prayer and surrender and seeking. And he was talking about, you know, you seek God with all your heart and seek and keep seeking. It's not a one and done, but it's continuing to seek the heart of God. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And that's his heart. That's God's heart that will continue to have that surrender and that heart to seek him and all that he has for us. So you move back and uh, you were working in the area. And I think you spoke at Renew Camp. I did briefly. You spoke briefly on a panel maybe Mm -hmm. this summer. And I think you and Olivia had a conversation. Yeah. I guess it's one of those people call them God moments. I look at it as something different. But she was asking me about what I was doing. I was working at a different church in the area, and I wasn't working full-time. And I was just, you know, in a mood to explore trying to find full-time work. I really enjoyed the people that I was working with. The other church, it just it wasn't engaging me fully. Yeah. Um, I wanted to be tackling projects and, and just kind of staying busier. I like to have something to do. You know, my wife will ask me, like, how's work going? And busy is the good answer. Mm. And I like to be busy. When I'm sitting and just not doing anything, it's not the way I like to live my life. But Olivia kind of said that 
they were struggling to find someone to fill this role. Um, and I should look at that. And it's funny because Olivia and I stayed in touch to a degree. And um, I know that she has a close relationship with my youngest sister. Um, but she didn't necessarily know, you know, like how qualified I was for the role or what my personal brand of the, whatever it may be. She just kind of on a limb, like you should apply, do that. And my loving mother within, you know, hours of having that conversation with Olivia is calling me saying, so are you going to apply for this job or, you, you know, whatever it may be. And, <laughs> you know, my mom is always on it. She was on it when I was picking colleges at 18 and she knew the place I was going to go well before I did. And a couple months later, after she had told me about Emory and Henry College, I found Emory and Henry College on my own, having forgotten that she told me about it and told her, I think this is going to be a good spot for me. She's like, oh, I know. I, I told you later. You know, so my mom is typically right. Hopefully she doesn't hear this. But... <laughs> There were people in my life that were encouraging me to kind of explore this opportunity. And, you know, I have a, a passion for outreach and service, and I, it's a central part of my faith. I believe that it's the meat and potatoes. You know, we're not kind of sprinkling it on the top. If you're not engaging with your community, engaging with your church, then um, I don't know what that faith looks like, you know, we'll just say. But I didn't necessarily know all that this role would entail, and I'm very much the type of person that I'll just, I'll jump in and figure it out down the line. I was ready to commit to going to different schools without visiting them at all. You know, just seems like a good thing on paper. And, you know, God has pretty much covered me anytime I've done anything in my life. And I have faith that it'll work yeah. out. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's not the <laughs> healthiest approach to life, but it's worked out okay for me so far. But yeah, it's been a, an incredible experience so far, being able to work on a team of people very passionate about faith and passionate about growing uh, a strong community of believers that are looking to impact the area that they're in. You know, I think that Harrisonburg is a really interesting and special place. And I think that there's a lot of energy in the, the city to grow and bring in people, bring in different cultures. And there's a lot of calling on the believers in the area to be involved in that. You know, it's very easy to kind of turtle up and worry about our own numbers and worry about, you know, how are we, are our people coming in person? Are our people going and watching online? Whatever it may be. But I think that it's even while we're trying to figure out, you know, what does church look like in a COVID world or a post-COVID world or, you know, whatever we want to call it, it's important that we don't forget about the primary goal, which is to, you know, reach out to the poor, the powerless, mm -hmm. you know, those that haven't heard the word, that, that are in need of love, that are, you know, coming out of the last two and a half years where lots of people passed away, there was a lot of isolation, there was a lot of division and, and, and heartache, you know, relationships lost. And you know, the world is, in a sense, bleeding, and you know we're the we're called to be the good Samaritan. That's right. You know, That's right. Bind up the wounds, and it's easy to you want to be the hero in that story, but you, it's important <laughs> to remember that the other two people that passed by were people that work for the church. Yeah. Right. Um, so that is not a, an example that I feel encouraged to follow. Uh, I'd rather be the Samaritan, but it's a, a temptation for those in the church to feel strongly that you know, well, I'm doing God's work. God signs my paycheck, you know, <laughs> his people are paying me. So I, I, obviously I'm doing something right, but we need to make sure that we're engaged actively in actually doing God's work, mm -hmm. both inside these four walls and outside of them yeah. in the community. And helping others to understand how powerful it is. When we serve, it's no matter where it's at, sometimes I think we feel like, well, we're going to go and be a blessing. And actually it becomes a blessing mm -hmm. when we can serve others. And Absolutely. God that's what he created us to do, um, to be the hands and feet of Christ. And so I'm grateful um, to have you on the team. I'm grateful that wh however it was that you ended up at 
Renew Camp and the fact that Pastor Adrian said yes and Pastor Olivia said yes, and they invested in you in those years. And that was that was an area of serving that was beyond the church. Mm-hmm. You know, that was an extra thing. Right. It was probably something that, oh, I know it was something they came home really tired from. Mm-hmm. Um, that was more than just their job. Right. But they were serving because they believe in it. And you're a product of that. Mm-hmm. And now you're serving on the team with us. Absolutely. And it's just so cool to, you know, you had people that could give you reference before, you know. Right. It's, I mean, Olivia, you know, calls me as soon as, you know, she has that conversation with you. And I was praying that God would send someone that was called to ministry. And um, not necessarily called to be a pastor, but called to the ministry because work in the church is, it's, it is a calling. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and every one of us as believers have a calling. Right. To serve, and so thank you for saying yes and being willing to jump in with this team and just give us what God's given you to serve the community. I'm looking forward to what He's going to do. Yeah, and Ethan, uh, as you were sharing, um, one of the things or two of the things that stuck out to me, you were talking about, you know, the outreach is the meat and potatoes. It's not just something you sprinkle on the top. And I was thinking, I think. It's always been important, but it's going to be even more important in the future, um, especially with what we've gone through the last two, two and a half years. Some people just haven't returned to church, so we have to bring the church to them, so to speak, and outreach to them. And So uh, thank you for serving in that way. And also, as you were talking about surrender, we were talking about faith, too. Mm -hmm. And I think surrender and faith go hand in hand because you have to have faith to be able to be willing to surrender. And I was thinking about the scripture verse that says, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you don't see. So, you know, surrender, we can't always see it, but we just have to trust him. And you talked about that. And so thanks for sharing that. Anything in closing that you would like to share, maybe that we haven't asked you already, or that you haven't shared already? Yeah, I guess working in my role, part of the energy I'd like to bring to specifically outreach at, at this church, but kind of the approach of um, churches in the area is it's very important to remember and very easy to forget that, believe it or not, church isn't necessarily about you. Um, we oftentimes, having just gone through the experience myself of trying to find a new church, with my wife and I, it's so easy to be like, well, I like the worship here, or I like the message here. You know, they have really good pastries in the mornings, you know, <laughs> things like that. And it's important to, I'm not saying that you don't want to be at a place where you feel welcomed and in a part of the community, but, you know, you're coming to church to bring something, right. you know, to the body. You're a, you function as a part of the body of Christ. That's right. And as much as it's difficult to be thinking in terms of what do I bring to others by being here? Right. That's really your role in the church. You know, you come to get fed, but you also come to feed others, you know, and maybe people aren't necessarily at their faith yet. And and that's on the the church to get them there. But, you know, your Sunday service that you come to on Sunday morning, you know, that's a mission field for you. You know, maybe that's you coming to get ministered to, but how you engage how you worship, the conversations you have with people, the smiles that you you know offer, whatever it may be, that's the light of Christ to some people. Maybe it's the only light of Christ that they get on that on, in that service, you know, whatever it may be. And I think that if we can, as a church and as a community, remember like it's just not about me. Right. How much does that fix? You know, in our, in our world, in our culture, and a cu- culture kind of obsessed with what I say, what I do, what I think. 
serves me. How it makes me either feel better about myself by you know putting others down, disagreeing with others, making myself feel right, making myself feel um, like I've you know, got one over on other people. You know, that's something I hear all the time. Like, oh, I really got them in that argument or discussion or whatever. And you know, I love to argue and discuss things. You know, it's, it's one of my passions. But coming at it from a perspective of I want to bring love in the situation. I want to bring truth and, and we want to get closer to truth. And I may not be right a hundred percent. You know, I, I think I'm right, you know, because I'm not going to talk if I don't think that what I'm saying is right. right. But at the same time, I know that there are just people out there that have different experiences than me, maybe better experience right. on a given topic. Mm-hmm. And I think as Christians, we need to be open to the fact that we might just be wrong on some things and it might be some things that we're surprised that we're wrong about. Um, but the other thing is, is believe it or not, other people know how they need to be ministered to better than you do. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as we're going to try and come up with ideas and opportunities and ways to reach out to our community, the community knows what it needs more than we do. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and we need to be in relationship with the community to the point where we can see where they're hurting and what ways they need help. Yeah. You know, I, I often think of, I uh, hate going to the doctor just because who likes going to the doctor? Nobody likes going to the doctor. But, you know, I, I remember uh, last time I was at the doctor sitting there and I was like, you know, we're just going to check my heartbeat. We're going to you know, look at some different things. And you know, I could I could be in a lot of pain. And they would never know unless I told them, right? And I could cut, get out of here with a clean bill of health with three or four things wrong with me that I just never said anything about and they don't know. And that's an expert. You know, that's someone that it's their job to know, to be able to you know, look at my body and, and see like, this is where there is an issue. This is where there's an issue. But that dialogue and relationship plays a part of that. And so if we're not in dialogue and relationship with our community, we're going to be able to look at them and say like, oh, things seem okay. You know, our homelessness is down a little bit. The economy's up, what, you know, whatever it may be. But there's a lot of hurt and there's a lot of pain. And yeah. if we can't hear them tell us why, yeah. then we don't know how to help them. Right. So. Well, uh, that's a great word, Ethan. Thanks for uh, sharing and thanks for joining us today. It's been great to have you. Thanks for having me. We may have to have you back. Yep. yep. We'll see. Yep. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. We pray that as you've heard Ethan King's testimony today, that it truly has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Hope Talks is sponsored by Church of the Nazarene Harrisonburg in partnership with Sunshine Ministries. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Hope Talks. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe for all the updates and latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg or Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.